We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Who do we have rated at wide receivers four through eight in the 2023 rookie draft class? We'll find out on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Podcast. I'm Dave Cabin alongside Curtis Patrick. We are two of the owners at Rotoviz back again to talk to you about the incoming class of rookie wide receivers. In our last episode, we talked about some absolute studs. One of my favorite players, Jordan Addison. You had Quinton Johnson. You also had Jackson Smith and Jigba. We've got five other wide receivers that I think people are going to want to hear about today. We will be breaking them down. How are you doing, Curtis? I'm doing great, man. Uh, it's going to be awesome to get into five. wide. We're going to pack this episode. This is going to be a tight one, man. Five wide receivers to make sense of. I really can't wait for the events this weekend. Uh, before we get to that segment, um, I've got to tell you about the new cornerstone of my football command center. Epson hooked me up with their Epic Vision Ultra LS800, and it's so good. I've decided to customize my entire basement to feature it. Uh, it's a short throw projector, so there's no frustrating ceiling mount to deal with. Just set it up on your TV media stand. You're enjoying your favorite team on a picture that can go as big as 120 inches. I'm going to be evaluating this year's draft class on the Epic Vision Ultra LS800 next weekend, and these prospects are never going to have looked bigger or better than they will on this epic entertainment beast. Go check it out for yourself by visiting epson.com slash rotoviz. Yeah. All right, man, the NFL combine. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's just, it's, it's so exciting. And it's great that they've cohorted all of these skill players on the weekend. But yeah, to, to watch it on this thing, it's really going to kick it up a notch for me this year. For sure. And this is going to be must-see prospect television here, especially for the group of players we're going to be looking at. There's a couple of guys that with good showings could leap themselves up over a couple of the other players in this pool, maybe create some separation. So I am going to hit a drop here, Curtis, and we are going to get into it. I'm going to let you tell me who we're going to start with, and I will review their stats after the drop. <laughs> 
right, Dave, let's kick it off with one. Kayshawn Boutte out of LSU. What do you yes. got for me? Yes. This is an interesting one, Curtis, because we have a player who broke out at the age of 19.6, keeping in mind the context of the fact that he played at a very talented LSU program. In his first year as a freshman, played in nine games, had 42 receptions, 688 receiving yards, 16.38 yards per reception, put up five touchdowns, posted a receiving dominator of 0.25. Follows that up with the campaign I mentioned prior where he breaks out putting up a dominator of 0.41 at 19.6 in just six games, 38 receptions, 508 yards, nine receiving touchdowns. The yards per reception dropped down to around 13.37. Big hopes for him in 2022, of course. We see changes at quarterback. We see changes with the coaching staff. Brian Kelly comes into town across 11 games, just 48 receptions, 538 receiving yards. That comes out to 11.2 yards per reception, just two receiving touchdowns, and a receiving dominator of just 0.16 did add one rush for 41 yards. But this becomes very interesting here because earlier in his career, especially coming off of that 2021 season, there was a ton of hype surrounding him. People in the dynasty, Devi communities, just very excited. Then he has this season where if you put it in context, you can explain some of it, but surely it is still troubling, albeit for a player that looked like he could take a step right into the NFL just a season ago. Yeah, man, he just missed, I feel like he just missed it by a year. You know, he, he got there in 2020 and just gets there a little bit earlier. He's, he's in there with Justin Jefferson and, you know, Joe Burrow and, and T Higgins, uh, not T Higgins. What am I talking about? Um, help me out, Dave. Uh, Terrace Marshall. No, not, not even sure Terrace Marshall. Jamar Chase. Oh, Jamar Chase. Chase. Okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know why I thought T Higgins there. I because th I said Burrow. That's why. Yes. Um, but anyway, you know, so he he came at a time where you know LSU was a program in flux. You know, was figuring out the quarterback position. But just even looking at him out of high school, I mean, he was a four star. Uh, he had a six point rivals rating. He was thirty fifth overall prospect in the nation in the class of twenty twenty. The number one. Uh, overall recruit in the state of Louisiana and sixth at the wide receiver position uh, in the country. I mean, he had offers from everywhere, Alabama, LSU, uh, I mean, Arkansas, Arizona state, you know, he was highly sought after. And, you know, the, the freshman season, I think it's pretty interesting because as, as poor as the quarterback situation was, they actually had three different quarterbacks attempt 130 passes that season, which is nuts. Yeah. I mean, that is <laughs> really, really nuts for a high profile uh, yep. uh, school like LSU. And, you know, he's still, you know, as an 18 year old, 45 receptions, 735 yards and five touchdowns in, in a year where, you know, Terrace Marshall played about half the season and said, ah, I'm out, you know, I'm ready for the pros. Um, and so, you know, that that's what we're really starting out with is just that early impression and a really difficult uh, team context. So I think you did a nice job laying that out, you know, I, I kind of look at Boutte almost as like 
you know, a story similar to Juju Smith-Schuster's uh, college experience. And they're not similar players at all, but Juju was really hyped early on, and then he just never took it to that next level. Um, Boutte's college uh, pedigree and uh, prospect box score scouting scenarios are further complicated by the fact that, you know, his year where he dominated that, that sophomore season, he only played six games. Now he was just absolutely awesome in those six games. But if you're just kind of looking down a player's overall, you know, uh, statistical context, it it pales in comparison to some other guys, but I mean, he was going to put up 1200 receiving yards, you know, double digit, double digit touchdowns, probably 90 plus receptions in that season. Uh, if, if he stays on the field. So yeah, you got to think about that. You know, the road of his box score, Scott uh, box score scout Sims are a little bit of a mixed bag, but I will note his top match is Justin Jefferson from the same program. Obviously the best receiver in the NFL right now. We get Justin Hunter, Jalen Rager, Robert, Bobby trees, woods, and then Devin Smith. Um, so, you know, you've got two pretty nice outcomes here and three kind of, I don't know, outcomes here. You know, I have gone back and forth on, on Boutte. I I've still got him as my wide receiver for, uh, as of the rookie guide, when that dropped, you know, he's at that wide receiver four or five line for me with one of the other guys we're going to talk about today, but I'm just leaning into that original potential that we saw from him as a high school prospect. You know, he was on on some loaded teams. I think he's going to be fine. I think the combine's important for him, but I still see him as having like top 50 overall draft capital uh, in May. You know, I, I'm not sure if he's going to be first round or not. I think he's going to be right on that edge. He's like a, a guy that'll get, a team will trade up for in the early second if he doesn't get taken in the first round. Yeah, I think that for me, there was enough signal there of him early on in his career that I'm willing to place a higher emphasis on the expectations that I would have had given that versus what we saw uh, coming out of his product at LSU last year. Uh, when you consider the happenings on that team and the broader picture of the changes in the coaching staff changes at quarterback, I can explain it enough that when I look at this guy uh, six foot, 206 looks like he has the athleticism. We'll find out more already profiled as this, you know, NFL type of player that could go and make some splashes, get things done. I think that, um, that Juju Smith Schuster comparison feels really interesting. And like you said, not in terms of the way that they play, but in that career progression. And as you kind of push that into the NFL, you know, having some expectation that this player should be able to cut it. It's just really a question of if they can take a big jump once they get there or not. So I don't know if he's going to finish in as my wide receiver four, wide receiver five, wide receiver six, but he's certainly in that territory. There's excitement about him. We can't though, push him up into that class of players that we talked about earlier uh, this off season. No, I, you know, I think he, he's going to be in the back half of the first round, maybe even early second round in super flex rookie drafts, uh, depending on, you know, how aggressive your league is and chasing the quarterbacks uh, in this year's class. So we've got him uh, overall in the, the first volume of the guide. Of course, we don't have the athletic uh, measurables yet. We've got him in our 10th player overall. I could see him settling anywhere anywhere from like 10 to 16 we'll have to see how things play out certainly all right let's let's move on let's go a totally different type of player yes um a little bit of a, a water bug uh 
uh, style guy here, but big plays all over the place. Josh Downs from North Carolina. Yes. So I think we might have mentioned this before, but there's actually some interesting players in this class on the smaller end of the wide receiver spectrum. Josh Downs, 5'10", around 175, as Curtis mentioned, out of North Carolina, did not get heavily involved in just four games. Well, just four games as a freshman but did get heavily involved in those four games. Uh, Puts up 119 receiving yards, three receiving touchdowns. Follows that up, though, with an undeniably superb campaign (laughs) as a sophomore. Curtis, in 13 games, 101 receiving yards, 1,335 receiving yards. I might have said 101 receptions. Not sure if I messed up when I said that. That's 13.22 a clip, eight touchdowns. A dominator of 0.36 was responsible for 40% of the Tar Heels receiving yardage. Then follows that up with just uh, in 11 games, Curtis, 94 receptions, 1,029 receiving yards. Drops down in terms of that average as we talk about. This is something we tend to see. Finishes around 11 yards per reception, but 11 touchdowns, a dominator of 0.34 Obviously, what stands out here is just the sheer volume of catches that he was, uh, you know, converting here and then turning into touchdowns too impressive for a player of his size. So good market shares, but also just very high raw reception numbers for a wide receiver. So what do we make of him? Can he be one of those players like Devonta Smith, Hollywood Brown we've seen lately that is able to address the concerns one might have about their size, head into the NFL and be productive? Yeah, I mean, I think so. You got to put the rest of his game in context. You know, he he returned kicks and punts uh, as a sophomore and junior. Um, for those of you that check in on the show from time to time, but not every episode, you may not have heard me say this before. I mean, that is definitely like a wild card or extra check mark that I give any prospect. If you get significant usage as a returner in college, as a skill player, um, you know, that that's the type of thing that, I mean, I, I raise my eyebrows at it because it shows that you know how to make people miss in space. It shows that you're not afraid to take on incoming traffic and that your coaching staff sees you as one of the primary big play threats on your team. And so if holding that role down for two years, I think is meaningful Um, though not necessarily specifically projectable. Um, The the interesting thing with Downs is, you know, he's going to have elite speed, I think, at the combine. He's one of these guys that could certainly run, you know, sub 4-4. But in his profile, he shows up a little bit more as a chain mover. So I'm just wondering, like, in a special situation, could he be a target hog and also a big play threat? Like, I think there's, you know, multiple ways that his NFL career could play out. Um, He ranks top 25 all time in receptions in the ACC, despite really just having the two seasons of usage. And as you pointed out, the freshman year was really, um, you know, not much to write home about Um, his top five Sims from the box score uh, scout Deshaun Jackson, Rondale Moore, Paul Richardson, Elijah Moore and KJ Hamler. Um, So, you know, Deshaun Jackson is the only one that's actually hit in the NFL, but in particular, I mean, Rondell Moore, Elijah Moore, and KJ Hamler in recent seasons have all been guys that have been hyped up, you know, a lot by Team Rotoviz. Things haven't really panned out for them quite yet. Um, all of them being a little bit more on the smaller side. 
And, uh, but we've, we've dealt with some injury issues uh, with, with Moore and Hamler. And then with Elijah Moore, rather, uh, it's more of a, a doghouse um, type situation that we can't really explain and, you know, poor quarterback play, et cetera. So Downs drawing some matches with smaller guys, drawing matches all with round two guys. Um, but I think his speed could potentially push him into the bottom of uh, the first round. You know, he, he's a kind of a wait and see guy for me. You know, I, I like the other smallish receiver that we're talking about today more than Downs. I think I was the only one uh, that had that stance in the initial uh, ranking summit. I bet that's going to change after the combine because of all the the positive momentum that the other guy we're going to talk about today is getting. But yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't mind some exposure to Josh Downs, even in early best ball, you know, for this year, I think he can come in and, and have a role. He's clearly uh, excels at getting open, you know, with nearly 200 receptions over the past two years. Sure. For me, at least in the process of making our, our first pass through all of these players, getting out round one of the guide, he didn't really stand out to me as a player that generated too much excitement for me. Um, but as you mentioned, that all could change once we see those measurables. And in turn, if they land where we do expect that they will, you know, the push that that's going to give him. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to turn turn our attention now, though, towards a player out of Tennessee, Jalen Hyatt. A little bit bigger of a player, stands six feet, uh, weighs 185 pounds. And at Tennessee, uh, spent three seasons. The production as a freshman and a sophomore pale in comparison to what we saw him do in his 2022 season starts off as a freshman, just uh, 20 receptions in eight games averages around 13.8 yards per reception, just two receiving touchdowns subsequent year. uh, Again, just two receiving touchdowns, 21 receptions across nine games, 
puts up just 10.76 yards per reception. Then the explosion comes, Curtis, as a 21.2-year-old junior in 12 games, 67 receptions, 1,267 receiving yards, yards per reception at 18.91, puts up a receiving dominator of 0.37 and also scores 15 touchdowns. That is the type of season that you like to see. Um, some people might, you know, knock the fact when you're looking at him in comparison to other players that it didn't come earlier. Uh, still, though, an impressive campaign there. And I think it's going to be interesting to see where he ends up in the rankings. I could see, you know, some division on where exactly we put him in in the context of these other players when we sit down for that final summit we will have. Yeah, I agree. Um I'm not sure I know what to do with Jalen Hyatt yep. yet. I mean, definitely looks like a big play artist. I mean, he showed up big when it really mattered. You know, the Alabama performance was nuts. Um, I mean, all of the various, uh, you know, football writers and, and coaches, you know, they voted him to every, you know, first team All-American, you know, every award possible. Uh, I mean, he really did have a decorated 22, 22. You can't take it away from him. I always say, I mean, it's, it's better to break out early, but it's also better to break out than never. Yep. Um, and, and so, you know, maybe that's what we're looking at with Hyatt. You know, he's going to be one of the fastest players at the combine this week. And, you know, we, we know what that means. I mean, if you put up one of those elite speed uh, uh, performances, I mean, we just, I mean, people just start drooling and, you know, everyone gets in a competition who can draft this guy first. And I mean, Hyatt might be one of those guys. Um, and, and depending on, how how individual teams weight age uh, age related uh, production? You know, I mean, if it's a, if it's like a an analytics uh, process where a team looks at you know best season or most recent season and weights that, I mean, you know, I could see him being at the top of some you know people's boards as like a top three overall wide receiver in the class. So that'll be interesting to see um, when you look in the tools, Dave. This profile is definitely missed more than it's hit, yeah. um, despite all of his accomplishments. Now, his top match is Brandon Cooks. That's a great match. I mean, you would love to see a Brandon Cooks-like fantasy career for, you know, really any wide receiver. That's going to be a rookie pick well spent. You know, the rest of this group is a little suspect. Um, speaking of guys who get overdrafted because of speed, Philip Dorsett is his second match. I mean, yep. you know, that's a perfect example of what we're talking about. And then we've got Dante Pettis, uh, Taekwon Thornton, and Rondell Moore. Um, you know, I mean, it's you know, it's basically cooks and nothing here so far. Let's see how high it actually performs at the combine. I mean, at least I will say, at least he has shown us that he can dominate against top competition. You know, that game against Alabama that's going to weigh heavily, I think, for the the film crew for sure. And for people that are evaluating Hendon Hooker, who we talked about in the quarterback episodes a few weeks ago, you know, they're going to be seeing Hyatt over and over and over and over again. So, you know, hey, he's got some production to go at that speed. This isn't just going to be an underwear Olympics guy. So, uh, you know, I'll leave the light on for him. I don't know if I like him necessarily better or than Josh Downs or not. I, I don't know if I will draft him over Kayshawn Bate. I might be subject to a little bit of take lock there but um i i think i've got him below him probably no matter what happens here 
Yeah, I guess my final comment here would be, you know, it, it is fun to talk about the speed and the athletic testing and the impact that it can have. For me, though, generally, if I see a wide receiver flash tremendous speed, it doesn't really do that much for me unless it's a player that also has other things about him that push him outside of that general sphere. So when we see DK Metcalf go out there and put up ridiculous speed, you know, you have somebody that's probably, you know, extremely rare for these other, other wide receivers. There's been plenty of very fast guys that come through the league and wash out. And we haven't seen it, you know, be any type of guarantee. So if I'm looking at that overall body of work for somebody like Hyatt and there's some concerns, it's not like he can get rid of those concerns that I would have just by coming out and blazing. So, you know, we'll, we'll see where things work, you know, finish out. But I, I do want to point that out. All right. So we've got two more players that, that I want to hit. These were two of the players I had uh, a lot of fun um, debating at the, the first um, rookie ranking summit. And it's because... Uh, the next guy I want to talk about, Marvin Mims, yep. uh, started to elevate as a bit of a personal favorite for Sean Siegel. And it was interesting, you know, hearing him, you know, anytime Sean, you know, gets up on a box for a guy, you know, that's that that gets fun for us. And and the other guy, Zay Flowers, is one that I, I was somewhat unsuccessful in advocating for. But, you know, now he's really gaining a lot of steam here in the last three weeks or so of the process. I think they're going to be two big time, you know, movers when volume two uh, comes around after the the combine. It's going to be really fun to to revisit where they end up. So let's start with Mims first. And if, for those of you who have purchased our rookie guide, which is available at rotaviz.com, you'll note he actually only received a half page profile, and that's because in in our initial pass, we didn't know that anyone was going to end up loving him. You know, he, we wanted to put him in there. We wanted to give, you know, him the lip service. And after, after we found out how much Sean loved him and where he was getting drafted in some of our mock draft exercises, I mean, I feel bad that we didn't feature him a little bit more. So I have to consider how we address that as well. But Dave, let's talk about the stud from Oklahoma. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll, you know, toss him out a hundred additional words uh, in (laughs) in volume two, but there is a discovery process that happens uh, every, every summit, if you will. And Mm -hmm. so we start drilling into Marvin Mims wide receiver out of Oklahoma, uh, 5'11", 183, should finish, uh, you know, somewhere in in that size range when he gets uh, measured at the combine. As a freshman, gets 37 receptions across 11 games, 610 yards. That's around 16.5 yards per reception, nine touchdowns, and receiving dominator of 0.24. That's a pretty good freshman campaign for a wide receiver yeah. at Oklahoma. Uh, sophomore year, 13 games, actually drops down in terms of receptions to just 32 but very efficient over 22 yards per reception. The touchdowns drop though to five receiving dominator comes down to 0.18 in his final year. And he is a bit younger than, than other guys that you'll see finishes his junior season at just 20.8 cross 13 games, puts up 54 receptions, easily the highest of his career. That's a share of 22% of receptions goes over a thousand receiving yards averages over 20 yards per reception gets six touchdowns misses breaking out but does finish with a receiving dominator of 0.27 uh also throughout the course of his career did take a couple of handoffs uh 
you know, showing that the team did try to scheme some things for him. So in comparison to some of the players that we've talked about, a little bit different here of a way that he accumulated his production, no major jumps. And it's interesting that he put up his highest touchdown receptions uh, in his freshman year, but overall fairly consistent and leveled performance for Marvin Mims in his time at Oklahoma. Yeah, and I'm glad you noted that age. I mean, he's going to be one of those guys that plays his entire rookie season at age 21. And, you know, that's that that always gets you a little bit of an extra bump in the road of his process. Yep. We know that if age 21 uh, rookie wide receivers, and I don't mean age 21 on in week one, I mean age 21 when the season ends, uh, if you play at least 10 games, and average three receptions per game. You have an incredibly high, uh, in, in NFL history, an incredibly high rate of those players have gone on to have at least one top 24 PPR season. Um, and so, you know, certainly be have our eyes on Marvin Mims as a rookie to see what, you know, year two and beyond could hold for him. You know, I mean, he averaged 19 and a half yards per reception, basically. Uh, I mean, he is a big play artist. Um, you know, not the best box score scout Sims. Um, I think he's going to need a little bit of draft capital redemption. You know, we'd love to see him go in the second round and, and see these Sims uh, revisited. But, you know, at this point in the process, um, he's not being spoken of um, as early as some of the other receivers that w- we've talked about. I mean, you know, we're really pushing him into this spot in our rankings um, because of, you know, I think Sean's interest in him as a player. And also I think it's notable that, you know, the, the big play guys from Oklahoma have translated uh, to the NFL um, quite well um, recently. You know, we have C.D. Lamb, we have Hollywood Brown, you know, Mims dominating, you know, albeit, you know, in the Big 12, you know, we, we've seen people transition from um, this offense, you know, even though it's not a Lincoln Riley offense anymore, um, we've seen people from this program pan out in the NFL. So he gets a day two draft capital, we'll feel okay about that. Diami Brown, his closest sim, Brandon Tate, Brian Hartline, who actually did have a couple of fantasy relevant seasons, Lavelle Hawkins and Kiki uh, Kuti. Uh, is it Kote or Kiki Kuti? I don't know. Or... He, I've he heard never it became say relevant enough yeah. uh, to, to commit it to memory. So, yeah, Mim, Mims is interesting. I, I don't know if I'll know exactly what I think about him until we see, you know, where he gets drafted. I, I want to make sure that he gets in day two and not early day three as some of his Sims uh, suggest maybe that we should expect, but I mean, it's pretty easy to see what's to like here. You know, he's a little, a little compared to some of the other big play guys in this draft, you know, you got to like, you know, his 185 versus the 175 that seems so common um, this season. And I, I think that in the age, those are some reasons to, to have some interest lingering on, on Mims throughout the process. Now let's go up to Boston college for the last player of the episode and let's talk about Zay Flowers, man. Zay Flowers, like Josh Downs, 5'10", 175. Uh, a little bit allegedly, of a Allegedly, though. Yeah. Allegedly. 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 Has put on 13 pounds. <laughs> he's been cultivating uh, mass, and he's now well over 183. They have pictures of the yeah. physique and the Ooh. improvements, you know, in this short span since uh, the season ended. All right. Tell us about his production profile, Dave. <laughs> All right. So, Zay Flowers. Boston College product, as Curtis mentioned, was a uh, four-year player for the Eagles, finished uh, his freshman season at 19.3, so finishes 
as a 22.3-year-old senior. Freshman year in 13 games, 22 receptions, three receiving touchdowns, averages 15 and a half yards per reception. Season increased role as a sophomore, 56 receptions, gets to almost 16 yards per reception with nine touchdowns and records a breakout at 20.3 with a receiving dominator of 0.34. Pretty similar season as a junior in 12 games, 44 receptions, almost 17 yards per reception, five touchdowns, and a dominator of 0.36. Then easily his most impressive season comes as a senior in 12 games, 78 receptions, The yards per reception drop to 13.8, but gets the highest yardage of his career thanks to the increase in receptions, Uh, puts him at 1,077 receiving yards, 12 receiving touchdowns, and a very high dominator of .47. Also had 12 rushing attempts, and BC did like to use him um, outside of just that receiving role. Actually recorded 57 rushes across his career with two rushing touchdowns. Uh, And actually um, I think that's pretty important because if you look at that, what it, at what that does for his total um, shares and, you know, things that we've seen with other type of players like that, I think that's pretty notable. So this is kind of exciting for us just to talk about, because this is a bit of a different profile than some of these other players that we've discussed so far. Yeah, man. I just think Zay flowers, like he's, he's a modern he's a modern playmaker for the NFL. Like he, he's a guy that you can move around. You can get him the ball different ways. You know, we're seeing this role, you know, for a couple of years, everyone just saying like, you know, it's the Tyree kill role from his early days of Kansas city or, you know, more recently the Debo Samuel role. You know, it's just, it's, you know, just the talented player role where you just want to get his, the ball in his hands. However you can. I'm really excited about him, man. I'm really excited about him. Um, if, if anyone was going to, usurp uh Kayshawn Boutte as my wide receiver for it would be flowers that that's going to be the big discussion uh, that I have with myself um before we get to the next rookie summit I'm going to have to figure out how hard do I want to stump for this guy but you know in in volume one um at, at the time that, that this dropped you know we were dealing with questions about size we were dealing with questions about uh the quality of his hands and some drops and you know between more of the film analysts getting in on flowers and, you know, the weight that's being packed on to address the concerns about the size. I mean, like all of the chatters about him being like a mid first round pick at this point. Um, and, and so, you know, the original comment that I put in the guide was it was most likely he'd be around two pick with a chance of being selected as a first rounder. I would almost reverse that. Now it's most likely that he would be a first rounder with a chance of sliding to the second a couple other notes, Dave Flowers led the ACC in receiving touchdowns in 2022, and he posted the fourth most receiving touchdowns in ACC history over his career. Uh, so, you know, hey, if you're going to stay four years, at least, you know, get your name in the record books. I love his top three Sims, man. This is really strong, really strong. Emmanuel Sanders, Tyler Lockett, T.Y. Hilton. And when you think about smaller guys who have been able to really put together successful NFL careers, like long careers, dominant, too. Yeah, long careers of relevance with some, you know, especially in Lockett and Hilton's uh, uh, scenarios, you know, even, you know, I guess borderline dominant seasons um, when they, they've had that right quarterback connection. 
that, that's just as good as it gets for a top three. And then we've got Paul Richardson and Andy Isabella in there too, which, you know, I guess we'll just sweep those names under the rug, but um, Hey, three fifths of his top five are like perennial fin- fantasy difference makers for, you know, five plus seasons each. It was pretty cool. Um, so yeah, man, this was, this was a great episode. We got a lot more names in and there's a couple more wide receivers that, that we really need to talk about before we get to the, uh, I, I guess, deeper into the the tight ends, I think is where we need to go next. If memory serves. Yep. Um, so, you know, we'll come back one more episode. We got to get into some of these guys that are a little bit under the radar, but maybe have profiles that are underappreciated at this point in the process. And, you know, just a couple names to, to, to tease here, you know, Blair Andrews, one of the, the guys that he was really excited about at a rookie summit, uh, Rasheed Rice is a, a player we'll break down. Parker Washington out of Penn State just kind of has been stuck in my head. Can't, can't get him out of there um, and, and more um, to come. And then we're also, Dave, I think this week we're going to try to get to some dynasty mailbag. You know, we were asking yeah. for you to bring those conundrums to us. You answered in a big way. We've got some teams to break down and some, you know, rankings, dilemmas to help settle for people. So, you know, stay tuned. We've got plenty to cover on Rotoviz Radio. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. 